Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Now, many of you know that I have a problem with focus, right? I get, I get sidetracked really easily, and, and, and I, can get, I can get sidetracked. When my focus is off, it messes up everything. It will, dis, it will disrupt my day. It'll mess up the efficiency of my time. Many times, I'll find myself walking out of my office, walking through somewhere in the church, and I, by the time I get five steps out of my office, I'm like, where was I going? What was I going to do when I got there? And what was I going to say and who was I was supposed to talk to? And that's crazy. And he says, I, I, I get so frustrated at times. I, I don't know. I, I, the secretaries would see me walk around like, okay, what was... What are you doing, Aaron? I'm just walking. I don't, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I... And so I get stuck like that. And if you've ever seen the movie Up? Anybody seen Up? I'm Doug, the dog. Squirrel. Be jabbering away 100 miles an hour, and suddenly, blah! Then I have to get, kind of make tracks back, you know? I think at times we, we, all, we are all like that. It, uh, it, I would say this. It appears that many of us are sad. We're sad. Spiritually attentive deficient. We're sad. We can lose focus on the thing, on really important things, the things that matter. We lose focus off of eternal things. We lose ter- focus off of spiritual things. We lose, we, leave, we lose focus off of things that are permanent. And so much sidetracks us. Many times there are squirrels that, that, that pull our hearts and our minds, where they get our attention. And most of the time there are things like this. There are things that are just beyond reach. And we're trying hard to, to figure out what, what we can do. If we keep reaching towards those things that are temporary, that, think that, that we think they are better than what we already have, or that somehow they make what we do have seem deficient, here's what happens. Disappointment sets in. And when disappointment sets in, frustration sets in. And when frustration sets in, eventually the wellspring of life and hope and joy begins to evaporate and our lives become sick. Spiritually, we become sick. And if sickness is allowed to run its full course, everybody know what happens when, you, when sickness can just run rampant? What happens? Death happens, right? And so this morning, we want to talk a lot about this kind of one idea. Enjoy what you have. Or your heart will become sick and your life a waste. I'm going to teach you today how not to, be, how, how not to get wasted. I know it's Sunday morning. And some of you are still like, oh yeah, last night. I'm not talking about that. Right? How not to get wasted. Now here's the thing. A wasted life, listen to me. A wasted life is always a heart issue. Always. It's always a heart issue. When your life is wasting, what happens is your heart is, is, is doing things it's not created to do. It's being something it's not supposed to be. And it's sick and it's acting out of, out of sorts. Ecclesiastes 9, we're going to read verses 1 through 3 first, okay? So let's look at them together. This too I carefully explored, he says in New Living Translation. 
Even though the actions of godly and wise people are in God's hands, no one knows whether God will show them favor. The same destiny ultimately awaits everyone, whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonial clean or unclean, religious or irreligious. Good people receive the same treatment as sinners, and people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so wrong that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. Already twisted, listen to this line, already twisted by evil, people choose their own mad course. For they have no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyway. Now I want to give you some more context. I've been saying this every week. This is not a guy who's like stuck in some monastery somewhere that pens these words. This is a guy who is a king. He has lived the life all of us want. He has all the money, all the houses, all the possessions, all the women, all the music, all the food, all the whatever. You name it, the dude had it. And as an old man, he's looking back across the landscape of life. He's coming to conclusions that all of us need to assess and and, and realize. That some of it means nothing. In fact, much of what we chase after in life, when it's all said and done, it means nothing. It doesn't help us. In fact, it hinders us. And he's looking at it from that perspective. If you would read this same passage of Scripture in the English Standard Version, the first line where it it says, this too I carefully explored, it reads a little bit differently. It reads like this. But this all I laid to heart, examining it all. See, it is a heart issue. We've got to take certain things to heart. And I talked last week how many of us, he writes in chapter 7, how we avoid funerals, but we run to parties. And he said, run to the parties, foolish, going to the funerals, wise. But we'll, we'll, we'll avoid the funeral at all costs and run to every party coming and going. It's true. And boy, I started speaking those words on Monday. Lord, did I know? not know how I was going to deal with it at the beginning of the week, right? And, and, and so we've got to assess from, from, from life. The, the scriptures say in Proverbs 4, 23, listen to these words. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of life. What Solomon's doing here is he's assessing things, and he's leaning into some of the thoughts we all have that contaminate our hearts. It's not fair. How come the godly and the ungodly, uh, the same thing happens to them? They deserve, or I should have got, or we should. And all of a sudden, his heart starts chasing after temporary things because temporary things are getting jacked up, and he's not making sense, and he's trying to make sense of it, right? Oh, I went to church this week, so I should have a great week. We think thoughts like that. I, I paid my tithe, therefore everything financially is going to be great, right? Right? We start, we start, we turn this thing that starts in grace into how good we are. Instead of remembering how good Jesus is, right? And Jesus utters words in the New Testament like this, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. He's quoting an Old Testament passage of scripture in the New Testament. And so we think that somehow we get this pass or this exemption, and then, then we start looking at things, how they're not going for us, how we want them to go for us, and all of a sudden we get sidetracked. Well, I deserve or they should have gotten. Or can you believe that? And he, he's processing with us in this vein of thought. And we've got, to, we've, we've got to be reminded always that this life is absolutely very short. And it is not the point. It is not the point. 
we need to constantly examine what we're focusing on to keep it, our heart, from attacking us. Be more heart and less attack. Right? 1 John 2, 15 through 16, if you, if you look in there, the, the, the heading in this passage of Scripture in the New Testament says this, do not love the world. Listen to what it says. Verse 15, do not love, now that's a heart issue, do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, now listen to these strong words from the apostle of love. This is the guy who wrote all about love. Everything about what he, for God's, he pinned the world, for God so loved the world, right? This is the same guy. He's known as the disciple that Jesus loved. He wouldn't name himself. I don't know whether that was a humble statement or an arrogant statement. I'm trying to say what's worth that out. I'm not, I, haven't come to, I haven't come to my personal opinion on that because it seems kind of arrogant. This is the disciple that Jesus loved. As if Jesus didn't love all the rest of them, right? He, he pins the words that, you know, God's loved the world, but he loved me more. I, I don't know. Anyway. If you love... if. If you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Ooh, is that strong words? For the world offers only, now listen to these words, a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Next line. These are not from the Father. Period. Welcome to 21st century America. Am I right? They're from the world. And verse 17 will go on to say, and the world is wasting away. So if you want to make your life a waste, just chase those three things. Let your focus get captivated by, by, what, your, by what your flesh wants, what your eyes see, and the pride of what you've done, what you can accomplish, what you're capable of. Want your life to be a waste? Just do that. And I know it's easy to get trapped in it. What has your attention has you. If what you have is, temp- what, what, what has you is temporary, listen to me, wasting away and waste away, your life will at least waste away spiritually and most likely in every other arena. It's a true statement. Whatever has your attention has you. If you, if you're, if you, what has your attention is temporary and wasting, your life will begin to waste. So, bring me to the next question. Oh, by the way, speaking of life, Josie's, congratulations. What's that, 10? Huh? 10. Last Sunday when we were here worshiping Jesus and stuff, Diane was having a baby. Man. Cute as it can be, man. I'm telling you, it was awesome. Those are things that give me hope. We got to talk about good things, right? We talked about lots of. Bless you guys. You are adhering to the first commandment: be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. And Dan's like, "Don't, no more attention on me, Aaron. Keep preaching, okay?" <laughs> so, how do you not get wasted? Tip number one. Enjoy the time you've already been given. Verse 7 and 8, listen to these words. Solomon writes, so go ahead. He's given you permission. So go ahead. Eat your food with joy. Drink your wine with a happy heart. For God approves of this, exclamation point. Wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. Isn't that that cool words? 
The word here, it says, eat your food with joy. In one couple of other translations, it says, enjoy. Okay? The word enjoy means to take delight or pleasure. And there's a commandment right here in verse 7 of Ecclesiastes 9 to enjoy where you are right now. It didn't say go, go eat and have a good time later when a good things happen. It just says like right now, do it right now. In the moment you're in right now, find something to be joyful about. Enjoy where you are. Where and you don't understand, I don't have to. Tasha and Phil just filled us in on why we can praise and have joy and rejoice in the middle of difficulty, right? And so we, we, this eating of your food, listen, Psalm 90, 12 te- does this, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Here's the thing. This is a day you can have to enjoy right now. This is a day you don't have tomorrow. You won't have three weeks from now. You don't know that you have any of those. And we've got lots of people here right now who can, who can testify to that fact of how fleeting, how quick life gets away from you. And trust me, the thing you want to do right now in this moment is be joyful in the moment God's placed you in right now. He set the parameters. He set the boundaries. Acts 17, the Tasha read. We started, when she started reading that when we were praying this morning, I thought, Lord, she's got my message all wrapped up already. Wow. And I think we've got to be ready. Anytime there, there, there's, there, there, there's those kinds of words where it talks about food and wine and, and, and these kind of things, it's talking about doing life where you are, doing life with the people who are right with you right now. It's talking about, listen, enjoying the relationships and the help God's put in your life right here, right now. And, and don't let that get away from you. Verse 8 in the ESV says, let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. And what this is talking about, keep your relationship with God current. Anytime you see the issue of white garments in Scripture, it's talking about people who are in right relationship to God. And so what he's saying is, in this day, in this moment, make sure you and God are straight. Make sure things are good. Because what happens then is God is able to pour into your life in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of hardship. He can pour joy into your heart, into your life. That sustains you. And so the issue, and then all the rest of your relationships bleed out of that relationship with God. If you're experiencing his forgiveness, you can give it away. If you're experiencing his joy, you can give it away. If you're experiencing his peace, you can give it away. And so this is what he says, like, man, be right. If all, in this moment, in this moment, you can enjoy this day if and only if you're right with God. I'm not talking about just salvation and getting saved. I'm talking about right now, clearing the air between you and Jesus. Some of you have been asking God hard questions, and you're getting frustrated with him about certain things that are going or not going in your life. Today is the day to get that together with him and do what Phil encouraged us to do out of Job. Though you slay me, I will yet praise you, right? Because this life is not guaranteed to me anyway. And and, and so I've got to keep that right. This this idea of we can get anxious. The idea of eating food, this is what Jesus says, I want to do life with you, right? His last time, his last real thing he did on earth before he faced his execution was to sit and eat a meal with his guys. In the book of Revelation, he tells us, he paints this picture for us. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If somebody will let me in, I will do what? I'll come in and I will eat with him. What he's saying is, let's do life together. This idea of wine, the very first miracle Jesus does is he, he turns water into wine at a celebration of relationship, right? A marriage supper, right? 
The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is, symbol, is symbolized oftentimes in Scripture as wine, this thing that comes in to the inside of us and bubbles up, right, and gives us joy that sometimes we can't explain. There's never an inference in Scripture about being, it's okay to be drunk, but there is often Scripture attaching the idea of celebration around the work of the Holy Spirit and something bubbling up from within us. And that's what he's talking about here, right? Man, it's, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff here. He's saying right now where you are. And can I tell you something? Many of us regret, our, 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 our regret the opportunities and times we don't have. We're sitting here right now in regret because I should have done something this week or I should have done something last week or I wish this would be different. Or I and right now we can't enjoy what we have right now. Today is a gift. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is where it's at, right? I'm trying not to be dug really hard right now. There's so many things right now I could just go off on a tangent and go, everything's not great, but God is good. This is the day he has made. Everything's not perfect, but man, he is, and he's walking with me. I can rejoice that. And some of we talked last week about the glory day. Some of you are not stuck. You're stuck back there somewhere. Quit, don't be stuck back there. Be right here right now. Eat today in pleasure knowing that God is with you. Drink today in joy because you know he's saturating every need. He's filling every hole. Be with him right now in, 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 in correct relationship. If you have a chance to get other relationships right in this day, get them right in this day. Ecclesiastes 11.9 reads like this. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart, listen to these words, and let your heart, see, the issue of your heart, let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. I want to say something here. If your heart's informing your eyes, that's one thing, especially when your heart's informed by the Word of God. Did you hear what I said? If your heart is informing your eyes, that's one thing, especially if your heart's being informed by the Word of God. What we can't do is let our eyes inform our heart devoid of the Word of God. Are you hearing me? This is what, this is what Solomon's referring to. Let your heart be full of these words I'm giving you and let them help your eyes see what you're supposed to see. Do you catch that? For in that, but know all these things, God will bring you into judgment. There are things going to happen. This is again an allusion to that there's, there's a day coming where this life will be over. And you will stand in front of him. You have to live every day, every moment of your life, knowing that that day's coming. And none of us know when it's going to happen. None of us understand. I don't care what your end-time theology is. I don't care what your belief is about you know, health, wealth, and prosperity, and all that sort of stuff. Live long and prosper. I don't know anything about that. Thanks, Brandy, by the way. That was a gift. This was a gift. And I want to say something to you. You don't know. You don't know. And so understand that you, you are going to say, and he's going to say either come in and enjoy or he's not. The Gospels tell us that, that even those of us who are Christians will have to give an account for words we spoke. Remember we talked about that when we talked about vows a couple weeks ago. Remember that? That's Jesus' word. That's New Testament. Does that mean we're going to be like condemned to hell? No, that means their, their rewards are going to be passed out. And if I misused my words, some things I could, I had opportunities to, to, to be rewarded for are gone. You get that? Let me, let me give you some ideas of how those opportunities might be gone. Gossip. 
instead of prayer. Complaining rather than praying. Are you hear what I'm saying? Slander rather than encouragement. You get what I mean? Oh, I'm glad we're talking together today. Good, good, good. No, I'm just kidding. So, what, so the first tip is this. Enjoy the time you've already been given. Tip number two. Enjoy the love you already have. Look at verse 9. Live happily with the woman you love through, through all the meaningless, that was my fault, days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Some of you, some of you, some of you, some of you need a heart check right now on this. And if you want to, remove the word wife and just put spouse in there. Because, see, one part of the reason we, we end up with our lives becoming, our hearts being uh, uh, messed up is because we always think grass is greener someplace else. Can I say something to you? The reason it's greener is because there's more fertilizer over there. My wife's, my wife's begging me to be good right now. I, I think she's remembering the one, the one sentence everybody remembered from last week. You know what? You, and you know what? I, I, used, I used to help with Rachel's uh, stepdad used to be a gardener, or he guess he still is. And um, he would often go to places where they had sheep, cows, and horses to fertilize his garden. And one day I went with him and he put these big sides on the side of his, uh, on the side of his truck and we went to this place and they, they loaded stuff in, this fertilizer in with a, with, a, with a front loader thing and it was like soup. And then we spread it all over the place and boy, that garden grow. You used to work with a lady whose family owned a, po- a porta potty business. And they had this place out behind their property where they would go dump the stuff they sucked out of porta potties. And she would tell me, You can't believe the tomatoes that grow back there. <laughs> and they look good, brother. And they look great. But I'm going to tell you right now the reason they're growing is because there's all kinds of crap over there. And you're going to wake up one morning, you're going to find yourself on the other side of the fence and think, What is that smell? Why am I here? Just telling you. And, 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 and so you, you, you get your eyes off, and your eyes are looking like, I wish I had something better. I wish I had somebody different. I wish I did this. And what happened is you, you probably haven't like, like gone that far yet, but the Bible tells us that all starts in the heart. And he says if, you, if you've already looked upon someone to lust after them already, you've already committed adultery in some kind of a way you've already done the deed, right? And many of us commit, break the vow before we break the vow. And it's because we get our eyes off and our heart becomes contaminated and we think we can get something better someplace else. And the Bible says right here, live happily with the woman, the wife that you love for all the meaningless days. I think it's been a little bit today. All the meaningless days. Because they do sometimes they seem meaningless, don't they? That God's given you under the sun. The, the, the wife, the spouse God gives you is the reward for all your earthly toil. And you're telling them it's not good enough. Come on. 
Would your heavenly father give you something that horrible, really? Proverbs 5.18 reads like this, Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And I know there are reasons why we, we end up you know, in these bad relational circumstances. Okay? I know that. I know there's infidelity, and I know there's abuse. And, I know, and, I, and so the, the Bible makes it pretty clear that, it, that, 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 that there, are, there are things, because of hardness of heart, we can get out. But I find so much in 21st century America, I find so much within the church in 21st century America, we just think there's all kinds of reasons. Like, I don't like the way they spend money. Well, okay. Like, you got to work together on that. You know, I don't like the way they leave their socks in the middle of the, the floor. Well, welcome to my wife's world. You know, and we so many flippant ideas and things that, that are just temporary things. And God has put two people together, whom God has joined together, let no person separate, right? And so we get so caught up, and, I, and if you have one of those things going on where there's abuse or there's just rampant habitual infidelity, yes, I think you are free to, 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 to get from under that mess, okay? But all these other flippant ideas and things that we think are just okay because we got no fault divorce and all that stuff, get away from that. That is, that is wasting away. That is the lust of the eyes. That is the lust of our flesh. That is the pride of life. And it's going to destroy and waste away your family, your soul, and all of that. Malachi 2.14 reads like this. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? And it wasn't these words. Malachi's a prophet, by the way. I tell you why. He's got an exclamation point there. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. The reason why you feel devoid of God because of this. You don't hear him. You can't respond to him. He doesn't you feel like he's speaking because you know you made certain vows and you're ditching them. And he does seem far away. I will guarantee you he probably does. That's according to Malachi 2. Because he wants you to, to, to follow him in that. This marriage thing is supposed to be the single relationship Jesus points to and goes, that's what it looks like between me and my church. You want to see a marriage done right? That's how, that's how I operate. That's how I love unendingly. I forgive daily. And all of you who have been married for more than five minutes know forgiveness is just part of the package, right? You're in, you're in it with somebody imperfect, somebody who can't keep their trash together. But if they're on a trajectory of walking into more Christ-likeness, the worst thing you can do is ditch them. For you and for them. And I'm not trying to show shade on anybody. I'm not trying to throw down guilt and condemnation. But I am trying to make sure we understand what the Word of God says. Because our, our culture is going places that, that is just destroying families, destroying lives for generations. There should be more commitment, more grace, more truth, more forgiveness, more accountability, more love, all those things in, in, our, in our Christian marriages than any place else on the planet because we understand what this says. I want you to think about the story of Hosea in the Bible. If you've never read Hosea, go read Hosea. God calls this prophet to go marry a prostitute. And he points at them and goes, that's me, and that's you. the prophet's me, and the wife is you, and I'm just in it for the long haul. You can't do anything to shake me loose. You can't get rid of me. I am not going anyplace. That's what he says. How many of you like to be a Hosea? Huh? But he says, that's me. Isn't that awesome? And he looks at us, and we walk down those aisles, and we take those vows. He says, I want you to look like me. 
and I know you, I, I said this to numerous, I had the blessing of doing a wedding the first Sunday of June, my first Sunday away for, for, for Christian and Josh and Christian, the Josies and the Ford kids. And I looked in front of both of them, I said, listen, this is the tall order, but listen, neither of you can do this. You can't. The only way you can be the spouse you're supposed to be is to lean hard and heavy into the grace and the power of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. And listen, if you have him living inside of you, you can overcome whatever is going on in your marriage. Enjoy what you have or your heart will become sick and your life a waste. I'm sweating. I'm trying to sit down and not get so sweaty. I still am. Enjoy what you have right now, the time and the love that you have right now, or your heart will become sick and your life a waste. It'd be nice if that were the end of the story, but it's not. Solomon gives us a couple more things to consider. Tip number three, to not get wasted. Enjoy the work you've already been given. Listen to verse 10. Whatever you do, whatever vocation you find yourself in, whatever mission you're a part of, whatever work you do, whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or wisdom. Again, there's this illusion that like, man, life is, life is leaving fast. What you have to do today, do it with all your heart. Some of us wake up in the morning and we are very frustrated our, because our work doesn't give us reasons for joy and for peace and for hope. So we have to change our perspective of it. Now I want to say something to you, and I'm going to be as kind as I can be. The reason some of you are unfulfilled and hate what you do and hate getting up in the morning and all that is this, because you made decisions about your vocation not considering what God might want you to do. And you made decisions based on money, on benefits, on convenience, on comfort, and you wake up and you're like, this just can't, this can't be it. This can't be it. And you hate the thought of getting out of bed in the morning. You hate the thought that, you know, I don't know what happened over there. Apparently, Philip was fulfilling his mission. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he turned into an exterminator and I didn't know it. <laughs> and here's the deal. Try and figure out what the calling of God is for you right now. What the purpose, what your gift set is. Do something that gives you passion. Do something and forget about all the stuff everybody, everybody else in the world is telling you you have to have if you have a job. Go find something that makes the heart tick. Go do something that gives honor to God because you being mad and angry and lacking peace and joy is not being a minister to anybody, any place. When you're flipping people off in traffic with the fish on the back of your car because you hate where you're going and you hate the commute you have to drive. And you know what? And it, 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 you may laugh, but I've, I've, I've heard stories about people who I know. I'm just saying. And so we've got to find that. Here's the, here's, the, here's the beautiful thing. One of my favorite pieces of scripture is Psalm 37. Probably, maybe is my whole favorite one. Maybe, maybe. I quote it every day to myself. It says this, the steps of the godly. Okay? The godly. Now, that doesn't mean I've got my, all my junk together. 
Obviously, I've confessed more in the last few weeks than I care to talk about, right? And, 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 and it's, not, it's a matter of being right relationship, your heart being wrapped around the, the, the heart of God, right? Are you hearing me? The steps of the godly are ordered of the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. Now, listen to this. Verse 24 is just equally awesome, but it covers that thing in case you took a job for the wrong reason. Even though they stumble, they'll not be utterly cast down, for the God, God will uphold him with his righteous right hand. Maybe I didn't let him order the step, right? Maybe I made a bad choice. Maybe I'm, I'm in a job I just hate. But he's got grace for me in the middle of that. And so how do I, how do I function when I'm in that spot? How do I function? L- l- listen to Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Listen to these words. You know, you know how to get, get, in, get yourself into a better spot? Listen to these words. Work willingly at whatever you do. Work willingly at whatever, what, flipping burgers? I saw a picture of Samuel Clevenger at the Zane Trace game. Samuel's always, he enjoys, just as long as there's people around, Samuel's like. Right? That should be us. Most of you wouldn't consider flipping burgers a joyous occasion. We should learn from Samuel. Right? Whatever, work willingly at whatever you do, as though, as these words, as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Right now, you may be in a bad spot, work may be horrible, the environment may be bad, whatever. Listen, you're not there uh, to do anything but serve Jesus. And he'll give you the opportunity to serve him by serving others. That means your boss, your co-workers, your customers, fill in the blank, whatever they are. Your job at that moment is to serve him by serving them. Doesn't matter what job you got. Doesn't matter. Listen to these. Remember that the, listen to these. You want to know about, you want to talk about reward and compensation? How about this compensation package? Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you're serving is Christ. The Bible tells us if we're we're faithful in small things, he gives us more responsibility, better responsibilities. And so if you want to get out of where you are and you think you're called to different, right now start treating the job you have like the one God's gave you, given you. I don't have good grammar sometimes. All right? And see what happens. He opens doors for us, no person can, 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 can shut. He shuts doors for us, no person can open. But the issue is not the environment, the issue is my heart. I can alter the environment by the condition of my heart. I have the privilege of walking into bad situations and offering hope and joy and peace, not because everything around me is good, but because God is good and he lives inside of me. Oh, Aaron, you don't know. Listen, I have have to keep walking back in the funeral homes. Don't tell me. And these environments are bad sometimes. The families are at each other and all that stuff. And I, I have found that if I walk in there with the power of Jesus and the love of God in a bad situation, the climate can change. Not because I'm all that, but because he is. You understand what I mean? Anyhow, good night. Tip number four. Tip number one was enjoy the work you've already been given, right? Tip number four. Enjoy the godly wisdom and counsel that God has already supplied to you. Verse 17 and 18 says these words. Better to hear the quiet words of a wise person than the shouts of a foolish king. I may qualify as the latter sometimes. A foolish leader. Loud. 
Better to have wisdom than weapons of war. Listen to those words. This is a king talking. Better to have wisdom than weapons of war. But one sinner can destroy much good. Somebody who's not walking with Jesus, we give ear to the wrong person. That one person who gives us ungodly counsel can take us down a path that's to destruction. And the crazy thing is, God's already put people around us. We have a saying around here, circles are better than rows. You know why circles are better than rows? Because life's going to happen. Life's going to happen. The wheels are going to fall off. It's just going to happen. And you've got to have people around you already who know how to speak life into you, how to speak hope into you, how to get, speak the word of God into you, the wisdom of God's word into you to help you make right decisions when the wheels fall off. And the crazy thing about it is a lot of us deviate from that when the wheels fall off. We stop listening to those God's already put in our life because we know they're going to say certain things to us and we still want what we want. There's this guy in the Bible, Solomon, the guy who wrote these words in Ecclesiastes. As happens to all of us, he passes away. 1 Kings 12 describes the ascension to the throne of his son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam has a, a set of counsel around him he's grown up with, that he's watched his dad interact with. And he seeks advice of them. And they give him some pretty good advice, some good counsel, some good godly wisdom. And then he has these buddies. Hey, bro, I was talking to like the dudes over at the, over at the, 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 the castle the other night, man, and um, they gave me some advice. Hey, bro, what do you think about that? Oh, man, get what you got coming, man. Don't let them. And he starts giving voice, giving ear to, to, to counsel that's ungodly and selfish and self-centered and carnal. And guess what happens? Because he ditches the godly counsel, he splits the country in two. A guy named Jeroboam comes in and takes most of the country with him because this guy becomes a Jamoke because it's all about him and what he wants, what he's going to get out of people. And how he's gonna, instead of serving people as a good leader, he makes people serve him harshly and badly because he just wants what he wants. And what happens for a lot of us is we do the same thing. We want what we want, and so we deviate from godly counsel. And right now around all of you, if you're sitting in this room, if you're a part of a small group, if you're a part of a ministry team, God's put certain people in your life on purpose. Not for you to walk away from when life gets bad, for you to walk toward. Because they're going to help you find the heart of God in the middle of whatever's going on. If you're a part of a, a, any kind of a ministry situation, a loving family of God, here's what's going on. God's put you there on purpose because he knows life's going to happen. And in one case, you're going to be the encourager. In another case, you're going to be the encouraged. On one case, you're going to be the person offering counsel. and the other case, you're going to be the one receiving counsel. But you've got to be open to it. You can't run away from it. You've got to enjoy what you have right now. Enjoy, enjoy the, the time that you have right now. Enjoy the love that you have right now. Enjoy the work that you have right now. And take advantage of the counsel, the godly counsel that's in your life right now. And that way, your heart won't become sick and your life won't become a waste. So let me ask you a question. Are, are you wasting your life right now? Are you wasting it because you're not okay with what God's already given you? Psalm 139, 23 and 24 read like this. David, Solomon's father and predecessor to the throne writes these words in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, everlasting life doesn't waste. And David figures out that the issue of the wasted life is the issue of the heart. You need to check, check your heart. I, 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 one day this week, I, I, I had plenty to do. It's not like I didn't have anything to do. Um, I, I pulled into the church parking lot, and I felt this nudge of God. You should go to Pastor Mark Piper's Bible study. You could have told me that 25 minutes ago. I'm already all the way out here. I'm sitting out there. Why couldn't we have this conversation? I don't know. On High Street. That would have been great. And I sat there and talked about it, thought about it for a minute. I thought, you know what? That's God. I should do it, right? So Pastor Mark's doing this book, through this, this study through the book of Revelation on his Wednesday morning Bible study. And it's pretty good. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, he just stops. He goes, I'm trying to find the words how to say this. I don't know if you guys ever tried to preach out of Revelation. You don't, you don't usually go to, like, Ecclesiastes as a reference point. And he starts to fill in the blanks on the end of my message. I'm sitting there in the Bible study. I want to read to you some notes I took. God has a narrative for your life. Okay? Just previous to these verses in Psalm 139, 23, 24, David writes these words. He says this. He says, the, the, the days of your life are already ordained. They are written in God's book. There's a narrative for your life. God's already written it. God has a narrative for your life. Now, listen to these words. When you become discouraged and frustrated, that is a sign your narrative doesn't line up with his. That's a heart issue. He said these words. Your desire must submit to his desires. Your life becomes more happy the less self-centered, selfish, and narcissistic you are. More happy, more heart, less attack. Your life becomes more happy the less self-centered, selfish, and narcissistic you are. All the hard issues we just described, that's, that's being selfish and self-centered and narcissistic. You, got, you, want, you want another time, you want another love, you want another job, you want some other counsel to speak into your life, that's you wanting what you want, Right? Listen to this. It's a delusion that God saved us to make us happy. We will experience bliss ultimately, he said, but every blessing has a cross in front of it. Just let that sink in for a minute. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a few questions. Check your heart right now. Check your heart right now. What has corrupted your focus? What has contaminated your heart? What, what is it? Is it a focus on another time? Wish that I was in some other phase of life right now. Wish I was back there where it was really cool in the glory days. And, or I wish, you know, they're having a really good time right now. Why can't I have a good time right now? Is your focus on another love? Because anything that competes with the love of God in our lives, according to 1 John, is a bad thing. It wastes away, right? Love of the world, right? That's what we read. So where's your love thing at? Where's your love focus at? Is it about the spouse God gave you? Or is it about something else? 
See, I can't answer those questions. You, you, only you and he can answer that. What about your work? Is your focus on some other, I wish I could do something else, or you wake up in the morning and you're frustrated? You're not excited about what the day has ahead because it's just a... Have you t- turned your heart away from godly counsel and wisdom? Because you know what they're going to tell you. And they are going to say, listen, that's not the right perspective. God's word doesn't say that. And see, what happens is when, go- when godly Christian people take somebody aside and they say, listen, I'm worried about you. I think your life's going off the rails. I think there's destruction ahead. You know what we get accused of being? Judgmental. Now just think about that for a second. If my kid is out in the middle of a street, right, and there's a car coming down the road, if I sit on the sidewalk and go, come on, get out of the street. And my kid goes, I don't want to. I go, okay. You would say I'm less than loving, right? Now, if I get out there and I grab a hold of my kid and they're in the middle of the street and they don't want to leave and I keep jerking and I keep jerking and I keep jerking until I get them out of the way and I might have been a little bit rough and I might have been a little bit intense and I might have, but I have love for them. I got them out of the street. Which was more loving? And so often the church gets a bad rap because we see things blaring up ahead that somebody's really making bad life decisions. And what they want is what they want. They really don't want help. They just want to feel good about what they're doing. So take that for what it's worth. Where, where, where are you on that gamut? Hey, Jay, can you come back and play? I want, I, I want you guys to, to think about these ideas. Jay's going to play this song one more time, and we're going to pray. I'm going to let you go. Okay? I want you to think about where your heart is. More heart or less attack? Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.